the last two weeks we had Nancy and Anna, and they shared from their experience in Brazil. And if you're familiar with Randy Clark's ministry, who is the person that you know this big group went down to Brazil with, his um, huge part of how they minister is in words of knowledge. And when they were sharing the testimonies of the things that happened on behalf you know, of the people that were sick and broken and fingers and legs that were short, grown out, all these different things, I thought, wow, that's what the light of the world really looks like. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I'll be just as quick as I can about the light of the world in the context of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and in this case, specifically, words of knowledge, okay? All right, let me set this up just a little bit. Jesus said in John chapter 9, well, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then in Matthew 5, he says, you, speaking to his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So I was asking the Lord about this light, and it seems like, and I don't mean to diminish the, the transformation that happens by the renewing of our minds as not being an element of the light of the world that we are, but I don't think that the fullness of being the light of the world is that we're a better guy than we used to be. You know what I'm saying? You, you could go into the church and find you know the best people from a moral or a generosity or whatever perspective you want and stand them against the the best by those characteristics in the world and i don't know that we necessarily come out on top every time so if if the light that were to be is that i used to be not such a good guy and now i'm a good guy was the whole thing there'd be no distinguishing between the church and the world generally right there would be hopefully a what would the word be, median or average, would be higher in the church than it would be in the world. But I can't believe that when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, that that's exactly everything that he meant. Um, so then I ask myself, what's the light? And, and if Pickover were here, he uses, because he's an electrician, he uses electricity as, as a, a, like a picture of the power of the kingdom. The, the light has the ability to shine, but if you don't turn on the switch... It's just a filament that does nothing. It brings no light into the world. And I'm not ready to say doctrinally or theologically that, you know, that I would argue with anybody that when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, that, that the difference is the Holy Spirit. But that's what I think. That the light that lights us up to the world is the presence of Holy Spirit inside of us. And that light can actually not shine. So when he says... You're the light of the world, and the light wasn't meant to be put under a basket. I don't know, many of us follow Bill Johnson as a good teacher and preacher, and he, he uses this phrase, um, the Holy Spirit is dying, not dying, is, is begging to get out from inside unbelieving believers. So people will have a faith good enough to get saved, but not a faith necessarily good enough, not that the faith God gives us is, is weak in any way, but their own personal faith to believe much more than they can be saved. So the Holy Spirit being the energy, the power source of us as the light is trapped inside us when we don't operate as we see Jesus in the early church operating. 
Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Jesus, just before he leaves, now he's been crucified. You know, he's lived his ministry for three or three and a half years. He's done his teachings and all these different things. Crucified, resurrected, about to be ascended to the right hand of the Father. This is him speaking. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times and epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So the disciples who by definition, were probably at that time all saved. They had the Holy Spirit because they had confessed Jesus as Lord, literally saw him resurrected from the dead. That was an easy one for them, right? So by faith and by their confession, they were saved. But there was this other power that they were to get, and the purpose of that power, as we see here, was to be his witness. So the witness is great in the power that comes from Holy Spirit. Here's... Witness from power. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Now, doctrinally, I think... You know, the Orthodox Church would all agree that um, Jesus never ceased being God, even in his manifestation as flesh on earth. Where some may disagree, I'm going to tell you what I think, and then you can decide whether you want to agree with it or not, and it's, it's truly up to you. But I know that there are parts of the church that would not necessarily agree with what I'm about to tell you. I believe that for Jesus to be the perfect sacrificial lamb of God. He had to be a man in flesh. I think you find that in Hebrews pretty clearly. And he also had to be sinless. But if he were to achieve his perfection in his deity, then it isn't the same as a man dying for the sins of men. It was God who was always able to be perfect in his own power doing that. I think he had to be flesh. Now, Jesus did things that no one had ever done before. I think what Jesus was never stopped being God, right? It's it's kind of hard to wrap our brains around this, but he never stopped being God, but he didn't access his deity in his walk of perfection to become the perfect and spotless lamb of God and the perfect high priest that would sacrifice himself on behalf of the sin of all mankind. I think he did that as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Only advantage he may have had over us was no original sin, right? He was the the seed egg of his mom and 
come upon, she was come upon by Holy Spirit, and it was an, an immaculate conception. So if you're going to make any distinction, maybe we could find it in there. But generally, everything Jesus did, he did as a man, outside his deity, full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me show you some scripture. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourself, in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he emptied himself of the, I think the right way to say that is of the access to his deity because he never stopped to be God. He's eternal. But in his manifestation as man, when he was incarnate in the flesh, he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of his deity as God himself. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, this is Jesus having just been baptized in the Jordan River. The, um, the, the Father spoke to him. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. Now it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, his baptism, and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness... For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Then if you go to chapter, or still chapter 4, but verses 13 and 14, you read, When the devil had finished, the the in-between was all the temptations of the devil that we read about. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an appropriate time, or an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. So oftentimes I've heard people teach he went in full of the Holy Spirit. He came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure I can discern, again, doctrinally, the total difference between full of and power of, but it says his, he was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not the power of himself as God, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm telling you all this and I'm trying to reinforce what Scripture is, the devil will get in our heads and say, well, that was Jesus. He was Jesus. He was God, and he did all these things. And when we're being prompted to do these very same things, he gives us these kind of flaming arrow thoughts that would cause us to not walk out what God was asking us to do, to be the light of the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, So, again, gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically words of knowledge. Here's some examples with Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? So these guys were having thoughts and reasoning about Jesus forgiving sins when only God could forgive sins, and he knew in his spirit what they were thinking, and he addressed it with his words. How did he know that? That's a word of knowledge. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. He knew something that he couldn't know, except that God told him by way of the Holy Spirit. That's a word of knowledge. Uh, Matthew twelve twenty five through 26 and knowing their thoughts jesus said to them any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste any city or house divided against itself is la- it will not stand 
He knew their thoughts. How did he know their thoughts? He emptied himself of his divine power, but he knew their thoughts. He came out of the Jordan, out of the wilderness, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He got a word of knowledge. John 4, 16 through 19. This is a really familiar one. He said to her, he's, he's talking to the woman at the well, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For, if, for you had five husbands, and the one, sorry, I can't read. The one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she ran back to the city, and she told everybody about Jesus and said the words, he told me everything about me. How did he know these things? He'd never met her before. He's at the well. The disciples have gone into the city to go find something to eat. Lady shows up with her bucket. Jesus is thirsty. Tells her, hey, I got water that you don't have. The living water has this whole conversation. And then he starts to tell her things that no one could know that didn't already know her. He got a word of knowledge. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. To us, He said, as the Father sent me, I send you. We look at Jesus in the Gospels. We see how he was sent. We know how we're sent. In the power of the Holy Spirit, the light of the world, manifesting God through his powerful spiritual gifts. When Anna and Nancy were speaking last week, they gave, I think it was seven examples of how you might receive a word of knowledge. And I actually had the handout, but it wasn't listed in the handout. And Neither of them is here today. So I don't remember what those seven things were. But they were things like you might get a thought or you might feel something in your body. This is the way Randy Clark manifests a lot, that he'll feel like a pain in his knee that he doesn't have. And that's the way the Lord alerts him that somebody's got a bum knee and God wants to heal it. So he'll call this out as a word of knowledge. Um, Dreams, visions, people close their eyes, they'll see a picture. I was telling a story this morning about a friend um, from the Freedom Center, when he first got saved, I mean, this guy had amazing sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, but he had no scripture. So he was almost like like a, a bull in a china shop, but he was so surrendered to the Lord. And one of his stories was this. He was praying, and while he was praying, he saw a picture like a in a frame, like you'd hang on a wall, and it was like a mountain and a scene of some sort. And the Lord said, go to the hospital. I'm not even sure he told him what hospital. This guy gets up, gets in his van, and drives to the hospital and starts at the bottom and works his way up, sticking his head in every single waiting room. Finally, he sticks his head into one room, and the picture he saw was hanging on the wall in that room. (laughs) you got to know Tony Brown to appreciate this. He walks in the room. God sent me. Who called? (laughs) And there was a woman sitting in a chair who started to cry. She said, I prayed that God would send someone to pray with me. And here you are. That's a word of knowledge. It's an obedient servant to a word of knowledge. So anyway, as they were saying these seven words of knowledge or seven ways you might get a word of knowledge, every one of them was, I was remembering instances in my very own life. Then when I sat down to write the sermon, I couldn't remember most of them. (laughs) But God gave me a few, and I just want to share them with you. We were in Toronto, and Teresa and I were part of the ministry team, and there was a prayer line, all these people in the prayer line. It was a pastor and leader conference, and a bunch of very tired, exhausted, disappointed, sad 
pastors and wives, worn out people. We were allowed to pray together over men and ladies. I would pray over the man. She would pray over the wife. And this was a husband and wife pair of pastors from someplace that were at this conference to be kind of re-energized and refreshed. And I prayed over the man, and then Teresa was praying over the wife. And she had this really harsh, um, just ooh, angry look on her face. And I kept hearing, tell her to smile, tell her to smile. Now, I actually confess that I don't hear God's voice. And I've had to repent from that and ask God to forgive me because I think I cursed myself being around people that would say, you know, they, like they have these conversational relationships with the Lord, which I believe they do, but I didn't have that. So I'm like, well, I don't hear God's voice. And I think I cursed myself, and I've had to repent from that because I do hear God's voice. I just don't always recognize it as his voice because it's so very subtle sometimes. Anyway, tell her to smile, tell her to smile. I'm thinking it's just me. But finally, it won't go away. So I whispered in Teresa's ear, tell her to smile. So Teresa looked at the lady, and she said, smile. And I am telling you, the moment that the corners of her lips cracked into a little smile, pow, she just fell right to the ground. The power of God hit her, and she went down like a sack of potatoes. Thank goodness they had catchers. She didn't bounce off the floor. But the Lord wanted to minister to her in a way that with her mind and her, you know, he couldn't do. And what was so funny is after that happened, Teresa said, I'm so mad. And I said, why? She said, because I kept hearing the Lord, tell her to smile, tell her to smile. And I thought it was me. He gave us both the word. Okay, that was one. We were in India a few years ago. 20-some thousand people at these crusades. And they literally had this big line of men hooked arms because we'd have gotten crushed. There was only like five of us to pray. Imagine this, you know, Pat Brady from Gravel Parking Lot Church on the street. They think I'm somebody. You know, all these people, oh, the man of God, pray for me, pray for me. I know, I'm just kidding. But it was just funny. If you only knew. <laughs> we had an interpreter. Because, you know, I don't speak whatever they speak, and they don't speak English, but the interpreter was with us. And this woman came up to me, and she had this terrible abdominal pain. And I mean, she was in pain in that moment. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and nothing was happening. And I kept hearing unforgiveness, unforgiveness, bitterness. But if you've been to training for this kind of stuff, that's like your default thing. If you don't know anything, you ask about bitterness and unforgiveness, and you can hit 9 out of 10. So I thought it was myself. But finally, she wasn't getting any relief, so I had him ask her, do you have any bitterness in your heart? And she said, no, 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 big smile on her face, oh, no, none at all, no, okay. Pray, 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 I keep hearing it, keep hearing it. Ask her again, no, 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 pray. And then I hear the words in my spirit, she's lying. Now, if you know me, this is not me, because I'm not that confident that I'm hearing God to tell somebody they're a liar. But I did. I said, tell her she's lying, and I won't pray for her anymore until she tells me the truth. He told her, and she looked at him. She said, no, there's none, there's none. I said, I'm not, I'm done. Tell her she's, she's lying to me. I know she's lying to me. After a minute, she put her head down, and in, in her language, she said to the interpreter, my husband. And women are treated not so good there. I could see where most of them could have that feeling. I said, all right. We prayed for her to have the grace to release her husband. When she was done you know, doing that, I told her I'll pray again. I prayed, and instantly she was healed. Two words of knowledge, bitterness and unforgiveness, she's lying. She got her healing. <laughs> I got saved at the Freedom Center. Only church I've ever been to, you know, more than once that's not church on the street. And, and we were part of the prayer ministry, and Freedom Center is big. You know, there were probably 20 or 30 of us in front of the altar, and Pastor Jim would call people up for prayer. And I had never in my life seen anybody slain in the spirit. 
And this woman from the very back was walking forward. And typically, a woman would not walk to me for prayer. A man would. And as she started walking, I saw her, and the Lord told me she's going to fall down. I walked out of the line, and I told a friend of mine, I said, hey, if this lady comes up to me, stand behind her because I think she's going to fall down. She walked past all the other people right up in front of me. Talked to me for two seconds. I laid my hand on her, and she fell down like a sack of potatoes right there in front of me. I'd never prayed for anybody that ever fell down before. I'd never seen it happen at our church, but the Lord didn't want her to bust. I don't even know what her deal was, if she got healed or what, but the Lord didn't want her to bust her head on the floor when she fell down, and he told me. He pointed her out to me as she was walking and said, she's going to fall. Get someone to catch her. Word of knowledge. We're, We're at the Randy Clark Healing School in Minnesota. We drove all the way to Minnesota. Randy Clark, Bill Johnson, all these amazing people are teaching us about how you get these physical manifestations that will be a word of knowledge that God wants to heal something. They finished that teaching. People practiced it. We had a break. Now someone was teaching something else. I got this crazy ringing in my ears. I never have ringing in my ears. It was making me nuts. So I stabbed the shoulder of the guy in front of me. I'm like, hey, you're going to have to pray for me. My ears are ringing like crazy. And he looks at me like, are you the stupidest guy in this whole place? Maybe you're getting a word of knowledge. And I said, oh, wow. And he said, my wife is deaf in her right ear, stone deaf in her right ear. So when the session ended, I laid my hands on her, and she became got 100% of her hearing. And her, her hearing loss was from a car accident where her bones in her ears were all discombobulated. She was literally not physically able to hear. And she got 100% of her hearing. While that's going on, this lady behind us who it was a Lutheran church of all places, was the associate pastor's wife sitting with her 16-year-old son. Did that lady just get healed of deafness? Yes. My son is congenitally deaf. It was in his left ear. And, and he had no, his, no like nerves to carry sound vibrations from the ear to the brain. He couldn't hear. It was impossible. Laid hands on his ear, prayed, nothing, prayed, played seven times, nothing, or six times, I don't know. Anyway, the next time you know, we were clicking in his ear, this kid went like, and he held his fingers up just a little teeny bit. We prayed some more. He held him more. He prayed some more. He held him more. I saw the mom the next morning, and she said that the best they could test by, you know, kind of hiding this ear and um, making sound in this ear and testing him was that at that point he had gotten 25% hearing in this ear that he had in his good ear when it was impossible because he had no nerves to connect his ears to his brain. There was a word of knowledge ringing in my ears, and I just heard the teaching. Oh. Here's one that we want to be a little bit careful with, but sometimes when we say a word that would edify, we think in terms of, um, you know, telling someone how wonderful they are because that would make you feel good, right? I mean, that's edifying. But sometimes edification can come from what would be a negative word. And when I first, shortly after I first got saved, Pastor Jim said to the church, you know, hey, do you pray? Because if you do for 10 minutes, if you could do it for a half hour, that'd be great. But for an hour would be even better. I knew nothing about anything. He told me to pray. I'm like, okay. He told us to tithe. We did. I mean, it's just like eat. Okay. Pastor Jim said so. So I would go up every morning. I'd get up at 5 in the morning. I would sit above the garage in our, um, at our house. I would put worship music in my ears, and I would sing songs. That's all I knew to do. Every morning, the glory of God would descend on me, and I would weep. I mean, I, I'm not sad, like, you know, 
just joy. His glory would come on me, and I would weep. It was so beautiful, and it, it went on for a long, long, long time, and then it stopped. And after about two weeks, I got so frustrated, I said, God, this makes me so mad because I get out of bed at 5 in the morning every single day, and you don't even show up. And for a number of days, every morning, I told him how upset I was with him, that he couldn't even be bothered to come and you know make me feel good like he did all the other days. And then Teresa gets a call from Lisa Taylor, who's, you know, Lisa, you know Lisa. She said, I have a word for Pat. And she said, okay, give it to him. She said, oh, I don't think he's going to like it very much. <laughs> and she said, it's okay, you can just tell him. So Lisa calls me on the phone, and she says, listen, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, you know, you don't have to believe this. I'm just, I believe the Lord told me to tell you this. I'm like, what? She said two words, three words, grumbling and complaining. I said, oh, my gosh. Next morning I went up and I said, God, I am so sorry. You've been here the whole time. And, and I knew he was testing me. Was I going to continue to worship him in the absence of his manifest glory, just blessing me like crazy? And I said, Lord, I will never fail this test again. What Jesus did on the cross is more than I could have ever asked for. The fact that you do anything beyond that that blesses me is just more than I could ask for I'm so grateful for what Jesus did. I'm so grateful that you sent Jesus to do it. And you had to pour your own wrath on your own son. And you had to watch that whole thing happen. Forgive me for being so arrogant that I would ever have those kind of thoughts towards you. Guess what happened? Came back. I was being tested. But I would have been in a bad way because I was a baby and I didn't understand. And God had to help me to understand that he was testing me. So he gave a word of knowledge to somebody and spoke exactly to me what I was doing so that I had the opportunity to repent. Now, it's 1230. I'll wait till next week to do this. But I want us to practice this. I want us to, to practice. And, and so you can think about who, you know, who it might be of you guys. Maybe four, three, four, or five people. I'm going to invite you to come up next week. And Isaac or someone can just maybe you know, kind of play some piano music to kind of make it calm in here. Everybody that's not up here is going to be praying for those people to hear God. And then we're going to trust them to be able to give a word of knowledge. See, these gifts, God wants us to operate in them. We don't have to feel like we have to beg God to operate in his spirit. We just have to not be deceived by the enemy as to what's actually happening. So four or five people, words of knowledge, and we're going to start to practice this. Because can you imagine if we're really the, the, the city on a hill, the light of the world, in all of the fullness of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen for the kingdom? When somebody is sad, and we can just know it, we can have a sense, excuse me, boy, you look like you might be having a rough day. You might think I'm nutty, but I'm a Christian, and I really feel like the Lord has said he wants you to know that he sees your pain, whatever the thing might be. I could tell you many testimonies where people were so blessed and God was glorified because they took the courage, they stepped across the chicken line, and they gave what they heard from the Lord. Now, if it was, you know, you're a dirty, rotten sinner and you're going to burn in hell, you need to think twice about that one. Because especially if you don't know the person, you don't know anything about how they'll respond. But when the Lord wants to help somebody and encourage somebody, or they're sick, we were up in Flint, in downtown Flint. You should have seen Bill and Joan. They're like word of knowledge machines, man. Walking over the bridge, guys walking under, excuse me. I just, the Lord wants you to know. The guy looks up. He's so blessed. Thank you very much. On we go across the bridge. On he goes under the bridge. It was awesome. 
It's the city on a hill. It's the light of the world. If all we have to offer the world is that we're not as bad a guy as we used to be, I think we're falling way short. He's given us the ability to heal the sick. Heck, raise the dead. Let's take a couple cracks at that. Okay. Let's just pray a minute. That was my eloquent ending. Father, thank you so much that you've given your church to be literally ambassadors, speaking as if very God were speaking himself. That's what your word says. I think it's in 2 Corinthians. Lord, we ask that you tune our senses to your voice. We ask that you help us, Lord, to be so passionate to know your word so that we can discern whether what we're hearing in our minds is the voice of you or the one that would masquerade as an angel of light. We ask you, Lord, to help us to stop and listen and then to act, just like Tony Brown, Lord, that we would totally move and that we will be empowered by your Holy Spirit to bring your love and your power and your healing and your deliverance and ultimately, Lord, your salvation to this very world. Help us to be grateful and help us, Lord, not to be afraid. And I pray, Lord, or we pray together for next week that people will be courageous to step forward and that they will get words of knowledge and we will see the power of the kingdom in action. All our prayers in Jesus' name.